Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. The government is set to announce the extension of mandatory hotel quarantine to only half of the countries it had mooted earlier on this week. Now, of course, earlier on this week it had mentioned countries like Germany and France and Italy, which are now not going to be on the list. But other countries are going to be on the list, most likely the United States and places like that. Now, a lot of people have said this is nonsense and this is madness. And, you know, I mean, sources have said the United States and the European uh, Union countries will not be subjected to hotel quarantine at this time, but further consideration would be given by Cabinet on how to handle people coming from these countries in the future. So a major row has erupted within the government Jeez, they're always fighting, are they? Over plans by the Department of Health to extend the mandatory hotel quarantine to 43 additional countries, including, by the way, the US, France and Germany, although they've said tonight that, Leo Varenka said the news tonight, most likely not France and Germany. And the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, fair play to him, and the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, met on Thursday afternoon to discuss the plan, including concerns about EU citizens' right to travel freely and concerns about the capacity of the system to cope with such numbers. And there is an argument, and the Attorney General has kind of pointed this out to them, that if you tell somebody from a European country you must quarantine for two months or two weeks and you have to pay for it, you could be in legal trouble here because they have freedom of movement under EU legislation and EU law when we signed up to the European Union that we are essentially one country. So to suggest that you have to quarantine coming from one country within the EU to another country in the EU, um, when I say legally quarantine in a hotel where you have to pay for it, uh, is a problem. Um, now, not a problem in the sense that the government can tell you to quarantine, but if they want you to quarantine, the problem legally could be that the government might have to pay for it if you're inside the European Union because it's not you that's doing it willingly and consensually. It's the government asking you to do it. So well, anyway, that's it's very complicated. I'm not going to get into that now. But I've noticed the zero COVID people who, personally speaking, I think are barmy, but I've noticed them and many others in, on Twitter and on social media saying, absolutely, Noel, ban them all. We should close the borders, close the airports. Nobody, Ireland, man, whatever it is, Wales, Scotland, France, England, Germany, it doesn't matter. America, ban them all until we get this under control. Now, let's be clear about something here, okay? And Leo Varanka said it himself tonight. This virus could be with us for 10 or 20 years. Do you want to ban every country from coming to Ireland for 10 or 20 years where you have to have a 14-day quarantine period in a hotel? That's not going to work. That's the end of tourism. You will never get anybody wanting to come to our country again. Remember, of course, most, most countries are not doing what we're doing. We're leading the way in this. We like to lead the way in these ideas. Personally speaking, and you're welcome to come on and tell me I'm wrong, I think it's a pathetic idea. Absolutely pathetic idea. I do understand some countries are a very high risk. I get that. But the vast majority of countries are no more dangerous than being in Ireland. No more dangerous. They've probably done the same case numbers per head of population, same amount of deaths per head of population, if not less. And yet we want to mandatory quarantine people. In other words, I'm just probably as safe going to Cork as I am going to Spain. I don't know the actual figures, but I'm just saying in and around. I mean, the chances are equally as slim of me succumbing to death, you know, or passing on a virus if I go to you know, I don't know, Tenerife or go to Limerick. I mean, there really isn't that much of a difference. Now, of course, they're concerned about variants and there's huge difference, there's differences of opinion on variants. I heard nonsense again from zero COVID quarters that variants, the new variant, the British variant, the B117 variant is more dangerous to children. 
Then I read on Reuters that it's not. The data clearly suggests it's not more dangerous to children at all. So you wouldn't know who to believe anymore. She wouldn't. But the bottom line is we're going to have to live with it. What happened to living with COVID? This is not living with COVID. This is a disaster for people. People who look forward to going away for a holiday to America or to France or Germany or Italy or Spain. This could be a disastrous. So do you agree with the zero COVID people that we should ban all travel into Ireland? All of us. Every single last bit of it. There should be nobody coming in at Dublin Airport into Ireland. Unless their life literally depends on it. And even then they'd have to quarantine for 14 days. Let me know what you think. Is that a good idea? Do you believe all, every country should be banned from visiting Ireland? Because that's what they'd like to see. And that's what we're heading towards, by the way, it seems. The number is 087-188-0008. If you think that's a good idea, I'd like to hear from you. If you think it's not a good idea, I don't want to hear from you. Well, I do want to hear from you as well. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that way. <laughs> Either way, I'd like to hear from you. The number is 087-188-0008. If you want to call us, by the way, and call our new number. Remember, we have a new number here at the radio station. If you want to get on air, it's 0818. That's 0818-942-105. For those of you who have the 1850 number saved in your phone, delete it. That number is now gone. Comreg have abolished it. So this is a new number. No matter where you ring in the country, it's a local call number, so it doesn't matter. You're not going to get charged mad rates or anything like that for it, okay? So it's 0818-942-105. Either way, what we do here is when you ring us, we ring you back anyway. We have to. Okay, we can't just put you straight on the air. So we do ring you back, so it'll cost you nothing. So it's 0818-942-105. Now, let me go to Debbie. Hi, uh. Hi, Debbie. You're on Ireland's class guest. Debbie, you know, we started off with some of the kind of obvious countries from South America and places like that in South Africa and Rwanda, Tunisia, Peru and all those kind of countries. And now they're looking at adding more countries, you know, and if the zero COVID people have their way, they'll put them all on it. Do, do you agree with that? Do you know, when I was asked that again, and my first answer was, yeah, you know, and the fact that, you know, close it all off, the COVID go come on, there are, you know, get it there, stand that we're at an ordinary level and that. But thinking of it and realistically, it's not going to solve it. Like, even when they they quarantined the ones under the hotel, there was reports that they had they had the COVID. So whether they come or not, the COVID there. Two, yeah, it turned, it turned out two of them were COVID positive. I think there was 240 people or something, but two of them were COVID positive. Now, they did have a PCR test when they came through the airport, but likely what has happened is they would have got it 72 hours before they came to the airport. They may have caught it off somebody on the plane or in the airport. Yeah, and that's, you know, you, you just don't know. I mean, I was like, you're on, I'm in Kildare and can't, you're only allowed out to 5K. So part of me was going, if we're only allowed this area of 5K, now, why can't they come into the country and they can go places? You don't know where their area is. Not. But then the smaller side of me is, I have children away. Do you know what I mean? Like I have a daughter, she's in England. So if I do this serocovic, she's um, quarantined on the... For 14 days, yeah. Yeah, and paying that there. You don't see you, her. You'll, ne- you'll never get to see her, Debbie, essentially. No, that's the thing. You, you get part time. And even... Out of the country, like my son's the same. It's not coming up on site five. But I would say 
part of me would say just to get the COVID sort of leveled. Yeah, close it down. Will we get it? Well, well, yeah, but well, here's the thing. If you look at this statistically from a data point of view, they say roughly at the very most 3% of cases came through Dublin Airport or came from abroad, right? 3% out of all the cases we've had. So realistically, by closing the airport, it's that's, not really, that's not going to make a huge amount no, of difference. No. I think people just think now, when I was said about it, my first thing was, yeah, close it down. It's, you know, it's going to save COVID. Everybody's going to be safe. It's going to get under control. The numbers are going to come down and nobody, you'll know where they all are. But then, as I was listening to you saying about the, the statistics and going to Spain and that, and then I just put myself in a family matter that I'm all children away and mm. I haven't seen them, like the daughter, I haven't seen it's over a year and a half. Like you're talking on the phone, but you worry. So well, the thing about it is, if you, your daughter is in what, what part of the UK is she in? She's in Leeds. Okay, so in in England at the moment, okay, you have less chance of getting COVID-19 in England than you have in Ireland right now. Judging by the case numbers per head of population, you have less chance. So there is no difference in you going to England and going to Galway, for example. There's no difference. Yep, you're you're still caught. So I'm I'm caught as a mother, I would say, not because you want the hugger and like snap and the... She's go paying for quarantine in a hotel when she can go on their own house, you know, just 30 minutes down the road and she quarantine there. But what people do as well is they fly from England up to the north and come down through the north. Well, well, and this is it because Belfast Airport is still open, obviously, yeah. uh, and and people can go up to Belfast Airport and fly out to Spain. And I believe, by the way, there's deals being done now to Dublin Airport, I believe, to go to Amsterdam. And you can fly from to anywhere in the world via Amsterdam to to avoid to try and avoid this this quarantine. So you know they're always going to come up with ways to try and avoid it. And they're not like if they just got their head off it, mm-hmm. and even the numbers like the numbers each time they're either going up, like it was seven hundred was it there. Uh, like one, it was 700, and then it went down to 300 and something like where, And then it's back up to 700 again now. The one, well, it's nearly 700 again. Yeah. Well you're, well, you're always going, I mean, the more, if we're going to keep testing people, you're always going to have people with COVID-19. But you're going to say it's one. You, you, know, you, know the most, the, you know the most common thing about people with COVID-19? The, and I heard this from, from a doctor the other day. The most common thing about COVID-19, the most common, common, um, thing between people who have COVID-19 is that they don't know they have it. So, unfortunately, there are some who will know they have it because they get symptoms, either mild, serious symptoms. But the majority of people who get COVID-19, the vast majority of people who get COVID-19 don't even know they have it. No, I think that they doing the, the centres for that, then that you walk them, walk them in the centres. But the, I thought just that everybody's, there's a bike scare, which is a major scare, and I'm petrified to talk with COVID. Are you, are you frightened of it, Debbie? I was, oh, I was obsessed with it, like the whole family and last can, year. And can I ask you how old you are? I'm 47. And why, have you got any underlying conditions? I have, yeah, I have asthma. Okay. Uh, like I was very bad. Wh- which asthma have, do you have? Is it um, the aller- allergy or the allergic type of asthma or there's the two different com- types? The complete asthma, like mm. you know, the complete asthma, my breathing, everything's gone. It's, 
Yeah, said, because the majo- just to point out, the majority of people who ask me, there's two different types. I can't remember the name of them, uh, but there's two different types. Uh, one in ten people have the more dangerous type of asthma. That one is obviously at a high risk with COVID. But the other one, they have said, according to the Asthma Society, there is exactly the same risk as anybody else who doesn't have asthma. Yeah, but like mm. just today, like we were going on with that because my my mother and family are, not, are from Derry, so they've all got their vaccine. I mean, I told you not got it. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, if you, you were know, living in the North, Debbie, you'd I'd have, have it. it. Yeah, I'd, I'd have, I would have had it a month ago. Yeah. So, as I was there. But when it first came out, and there was the whole scare that couldn't be, and when the numbers were coming on the TV, mm. I couldn't look. Like, my sons and the husband were like, look at that now. I wouldn't let the sons on the house. I didn't see with their friends. I didn't see my grandson. Uh, wouldn't let them near the house. If somebody knocked at the front door, I was out the back door. Just don't let anybody in near. Just afraid that I didn't know. I just literally and and, and a lot of people felt like that too at the time in in the early days. And and to this day now, are you still not letting people in? Oh or? no, I I do let and then let people in. No, I don't. I let the the sons come in. Um, uh, they phone every day. They come on once a week. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they just know where I am. Now, funny enough, I had the son and the grandson over the day, and the girlfriend and the mom, and it was lovely. It, it, it was really, really nice. Mm-hmm. But you forget that reality. It, it, you just don't love in reality anymore. It's, but if we were to live in, I mean, don't get me wrong, and I know the government would advise against uh, breaking the COVID rules, and I, I certainly oh, no, don't approach. But yeah, and by the way, by the way, I no, I'm not giving out to you. By the way, sorry, Debbie. I'm just, I just as a broadcaster, I have to say that. Oh no. But, I know yeah, that. Okay, but what I'm saying to you is, you know, we are human beings, and I would not expect a mother not to see her sons and daughters for over a year. If it was a three-week thing or four-week thing, which we thought it was this time last year, I would understand that. A bit of sacrifice didn't kill anybody, right? But, you know, when we're now down the road over a year, I would never in a million years ex- not expect a mother to see her own children. No, well, no, they, they phoned me every yeah. day. They were really, like, they were really worried. The daughter, no, I haven't seen her for the fact as well. They were, like, they had the COVID restrictions as well. And she just, she hasn't been, she's been working from home and she hasn't been over now. It does, it's sort of getting now, it's like, before you wouldn't mind it, no the way you say, oh, we're moving down to home and we'll come back in a couple of months because it, and you go, where this time, it's like, you just see every day. Yeah. And even the, the lads, like the lads love here, love and like, sorry, sorry, they love here. It's, it's when you're seeing them and just saying hello and that there. I know. And, so it would break your heart if you didn't see them. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does because you're just... And are you still, are you still as worried? Are you still as worried now as you were last year? I'm... No. No, I wouldn't be as worried. I wouldn't be as worried. I'm not as obsessed as what I was last year. Yeah, and, and by the way, rightly so too, because last year, of course, we didn't know what we were dealing with. But this year, we have a very good idea what we're dealing with. And let's be clear about this. And, and I, I want to keep reiterating this. You know the vast majority of people of Ireland will not die of COVID-19. And the vast majority of people in Ireland will not get sick from COVID-19. So uh, that's just to put it into perspective. Yeah, but it goes in. See, that was, like, nobody put it on. Like last year, all you got was, you can't go here. Nobody can do this. Nobody can do that. Yeah, you're yet. going to die. You're going to die. You're going you to know, die. Yeah, just, I know. That's the way we all walk, felt. Yeah. Walk down to the supermarket. No, I, I do. Even do now. I only go out to shops once a week. Shopping and I'm mm. and I did done stores within a half an hour. 
So yeah. I'm, I'm back at the house. That part's still on me in the fact that I don't know who's out there, who, you know, who I'm going to see or what. Well, this, well the thing is, Debbie, you're never going to know. I mean, everybody that you meet or see in a supermarket, you don't know where they've been that day, how many people they've met that day. And if we were to live our lives worrying about that so much, I mean, don't get me wrong, let's all take personal responsibility. But if you were to live your life worrying about everybody you meet and where they've been all day, well, I think we'd have a very sad life for the rest of our lives. But do me a favour, stay there, because I want to get back to the topic itself. Because, uh, Rob, you're an Ireland's classic kid. Say you doing, Rob? I mean, Rob, I, I know Debbie is very worried. And initially she thought it would be a good idea, but then she's thinking maybe not because she couldn't see her daughter in, the, in England. But would it be a good idea? I mean, you heard the zero COVID people. They'd like to ban every country coming into the airport. Oh, at least. Yeah. We must, we must including the Iron Islands, uh, Bay Islands. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming you're being sarcastic. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's that's where the crazies are going here, the zero crazies. Mm. And we're going to ban all these countries means uh, whilst maintaining an open border with the North, which is going to totally make the thing pointless. Sorry, I didn't hear about the, the border, sorry. No, the no, is, no, no, no. The border no, I, remains wide open. The, the border will remain wide open, so the rest of it's pointless. Yeah, I get you. So we're looking at distraction here against the, because the numbers that are coming into the country are minuscule. And by the way, Northern Ireland have more to worry about from us than we have of them, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. Like the they, shoes on the other foot. Yeah. They cannot. They're fine to travel. They're fine to travel the restrictions. Yeah, but you shouldn't, know, shouldn't, shouldn't, over half but of them have been vaccinated at this stage. Yeah. Yep. It's if they come down here, because that was the discussion we had had as well, just like as family chatting with them. The, their, their freedom is, is more the summer, you know, and they're like, oh, we could come down to you in the summer, but if we come down to you, we're more chance of getting that and then taking it back back up the north again. So, Well, I mean, yeah, but the, but it's, a, it's all a very illogical conversation. I want to get back to Rob, but it's all a very illogical conversation because if, uh, as they promised in Northern Ireland, the majority of the population who want to be vaccinated will be by June, um, they've nothing to worry about. Yeah. So what, what, are, what are they worrying about? So, oh, wait, Sorry, go, Rob, continue what you're saying. So you don't believe so, it achieves a purpose. The, the argument is that it does. It stops new variants coming in and it stops, you know, these case numbers going up. That's what they're saying to us. Yeah, but you also got to remember that um, by buying all these people, are, are they including um, doctors, surgeons, nurses, all the essential workers, electricians, plumbers? CEOs of big multinational companies who are coming and going? They must be stopped as well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody. They're talking everybody, unless it's literally a matter of life and death. And including Irish people want to return home, that be walking overseas. Well, it's the same. If Australians want to go home to Australia, there was, I think, nearly 70,000 Australians when they brought this in in Australia last year were basically trapped outside of Australia and it took them months to get home because, mm-hmm. they, because they had to apply to the Australian government to get back into their own bloody country. Yeah. But I still look at it. I'm looking at the numbers. I'm looking at the numbers that are coming in. Uh, the number of people that are coming into Ireland. It's minuscule mm-hmm. when, when we have the base here of COVID and the, any people that are coming in, the numbers, it's not going to affect the numbers that, that, the, the numbers that we have here of the five or 600 cases on average they're having the day here. Mm-hmm. And as Leo said there this evening, our great Leo, Leo Valarker, he said yeah. this thing could be here for life. That's right, yeah, he did. 
Um, and, and how how the zero COVID uh, groupings put up with that? Well, every, they'll do what they do in Australia, and every time they get a few cases, they they're looking for somewhere between five and ten cases a day. And every time it goes over that, we'll have another lockdown. Did New Zealand do something like that? Well, New Zealand and Australia, but the, the thing about it is you these zero-COVID people compare us to New Zealand and Australia. You can't. Um, they are islands. They don't have any land borders. And also, uh, they forget to mention that other countries in the Oceania region, which is part where they are, like Korea, uh, Japan, and other countries like Papua that. Papua New Guinea. Kuwait, yeah. uh, Kuwait uh, all those other countries, they all have, also all have low case numbers because of the... A lot of it's to do with the climate, by the way. You know, mm. so it's it's mm. you know the breathing ground for the and the particular climate because the, I don't know the exact details. I'm not a scientist, but a lot of these viruses can survive over a certain temperature. You know, so it's easier to keep it under control when you've got a warm climate. Yeah, yeah. But so stay there for a second, okay? So you don't agree with it? Let me just go to Billy. Stay there. Uh, you can take one there, Ashley, if you want to. Billy, you're on Ireland's Classic Kids. How you doing, Billy? Hello, Niall. How are you Billy, do you agree with banning every country coming in? Niall, I think we should have had mandatory quarantine into this country since March of last year. Okay. It might have been a good idea March last year, but now we're, now we're at March this year. But we're, we're an island nation. It didn't originate here. The only way that they came into the country... Well, we all know how it got into the country, between, exactly. between Cheltenham and the Italian football match. It was, it was travel. Oh, the snowing, the, the kids going on the snowing trip, their the skiing kids, trips. Yeah. 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 But it, it's a case that, you know, once once we knew this was there, we should have put in quarantine and locked it down. Well, Billy, how does that work when you have an open border with the North? Well, you see, this is the thing. Our, our, our cousins in the North will have to get on board with having a one-island approach on it. Oh, she's been trying to, to do that all year. Or shut down the border to the North. Well, here's the thing. With, with respect, Billy, our cousins in the North are, as you say... We kind of had had an all island approach. They haven't really been doing exactly the same thing as the as the rest of the United Kingdom. They've been pretty much following us, and we've been doing pretty much what they're doing, with the exception of the five k rule. They have been locked down more or less when we've been locked down. So, so I, I, I talked to someone about this the other day, Niall, and we we kind of put together between Derry, Belfast, Dublin, Shannon, Cork as the airports, the main airports in Knock. So you've got six airports coming into the country, mm-hmm. and then you've got, what, Dublin, Ross there, um, Hollyhead, and what's the one in the north in Belfast? Larn. 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 So you've got about three or four ports coming in, main ports of entry where people are coming in. So in order to lock this down, and each one of them has a road going in and a road going out, it's not as if there's multiple entrances. Yeah, it's not rocket science, I get you, yeah. Right? So it's very easy to close down all those areas and have the flights come in. Now, each one of those airports has multiple hotels around them, and all of those hotels were empty pretty soon after. It wouldn't have been a lot of an ask to close down those airports for people coming in and going out. And you're saying that, you're, you're saying that, but it, when we look at how complicated it seemed to be for the Irish government to quarantine, you know, a list of 40 countries, where, by the way, the 40 countries that are already on the list, or 33 countries on the list, they're countries that we don't get a lot of tourism from anyway, right? Uh, with the greatest respect. I mean, places like, uh, you know, uh, Mauritius and Mozambique and Namibia and Rwanda and Tunisia and these kind of places. We don't get that much tourism from these places. And yet we still find it difficult to manage those 33 countries. As you can see over the last two weeks, people are escaping all sorts of carry on. Three, three, three people. Too. Well, it doesn't mean, I, I think if it was, if you were to ban more countries, in other words, last March you talk about banning everybody or banning all countries or all travel in and out of the two uh, you know, the Northern Ireland and Ireland, I think logistically it would have been difficult. 
So, Noel, you had a you had a pilot on earlier on. Uh, Tony, yeah, Tony. Tony, and he mentioned that the airport was like a ghost town. Yeah. Did he, I didn't hear. Did he have a number of the, the amount of people who come in by the week over the last? This week? Is it's, it's minuscule. Yeah, I believe the the uh, the air travel is down by. They're now saying about ninety seven percent on pre-COVID times. So what are we saying, about a thousand people a day, more or less? I don't even think, I don't even think there's that many people coming into the airport now. I think per week now, I think, maybe Ashton could just check for me how many people come into the airport last week. I think they do put the figures up. I think the figure is only been somewhere between three and four thousand per week. Three and four thousand per week. So yeah. We need yeah. six thousand slots to, to put Billy, Dublin airport I... alone. Like, it's, it's I'm, I'm, I know we're in hindsight now, but this is what should have been done at the start, unfortunately. Yeah, but you, but should have, could have, would have, Billy. And I'm not being a smart arse with you. We're past that point. We're, we're past it. Yeah, so, yeah, let, so this, let's look at where we are now. At this, well, at this point, where we are now, it's pointless. The variants are in the country at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. So the only reason that you close down now is to stop new variants coming in. And hopefully, if they can get their act together and get a vaccination program rolling, you know, th- those new variants will be will have less of an effect on the population. But at this stage, well, it's well, Billy, can I ask the horse is bolted? Billy, can I just jump in for a sec? Okay, yeah, just to cl- sorry, just to clarify, uh, over six thousand eight hundred arrived into the facility, over nine hundred more than the previous week. So the previous week there was just uh, over six thousand, and the main reason for the foreign travel trips uh, was for a holiday or a visit. That's just according to the, the statistics there. Okay, when they were questioned as to why they were coming to Ireland. Okay. Okay, sorry, go ahead there. You want to ask him something there? Yes, yeah, sorry, Bill. No, I'm listening, I'm listening to your points there. You know, you make good points. But all this thing with the corner, the hotel, the, the, the MHQ, the mandatory hotel quarantine thing, um, people that will be travelling to Ireland now will, cotton up, will, 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 will be quite aware of what the story is if they're coming into this country. So they're going to look at divert to Belfast and come down that way. And therefore, just... The, the hotels here in Dublin are just that thing just goes out the window. Yeah, but Rob Billy is accepting that we're past that point and right. the horse is bolted. He has accepted that. But uh, can we not just look and can we not just try first and foremost deal with the COVID? That's here okay. So, but, so how how do we deal with? I mean, can I ask you a question, Rob? I mean, if you were mm. Michal Martin tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, although I wouldn't wish that to be worse than me. But if you were Michal Martin tomorrow, what would you do? If I was Michal Martin, I'd turn around to, to my deputy, Leo, or whatever, his co-partner, his co mm. and, and ask him, and say, well, what is the best, where, where, where are we going with this? What is, what is, what, what, how can we get, so we've got to live with COVID. I, I'm not asking you what, I, what he should do, I'm asking you what you would do. Um, but right. just on what you know, I know you're not a scientist, and I know you're not a doctor, and I know you're not an expert. But just from, I mean, look, we're all experts now. We hear it all day in the news. What would you do? I tomorrow? would concentrate on getting the vaccine rollout speeded up. Absolutely. First and foremost, and get the old folk and the vulnerable people done. And what would and you do with the rest of us? And then let the society reopen because the, the how quickly? How quickly would you let society reopen? Now or would you wait? There are two months or three months. No, I wouldn't wait. No, I'd do it if we can get the people. To, if we can get the, the 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 vulnerable and all and all people who have the greatest risk of dying from if they contract COVID, I get them vaccinated and get walking and and opening up and releasing these restrictions. Mm. Okay, well let, let me ask, well, let me ask Billy the same question, Billy. When we get the majority of people vaccinated who are in the vulnerable category, which according to Michal Martin will be by the end of April, um. 
and they should have their second vaccine by the end of April. That means all the people who are in care homes, those over the age of 80, those with a serious underlying condition. What's the point of locking up the whole of society when we know from the data and the statistics that under the age of 60, COVID-19 is no more dangerous than influenza? Well, in my opinion, it's, it's already over. I was, I went, I had to, had to get something in the shop earlier on. I, I drove through the town I'm living in. It's packed. People out, there's multiple people out for walks. The, oh, they the are, there are out for walks. The five kilometer distance thing is already gone. The only reason that they've decided to, to take that down is because very few people are observing it at the moment. I think people are predominantly staying within their counties, but people are travelling. But when, so, when, when, okay, you, you're me, Hall Martin, it's your decision. And just to, by the way, qualify what I said about the under the age of 60 being less dangerous than influenza, over the age of 60, it's obviously quite dangerous. And I, and I want to qualify that by saying that. So I'm not suggesting for a minute that COVID is not dangerous. But under the age of 60, once we get the over 60s vaccinated and the, those who are vulnerable, what the, I see no logical reason for closing anything at that point because there's nothing more we can do. There is a, we do have to come to a point where we have to accept there's a risk in, uh, in living in society. Well, and there always has risk, been, like by the way. Can, you can get knocked down by a bus in the moment. Absolutely, yeah. Outside. Like, it's, it's mm. the chance you take. Um, just on the, on the risk of COVID under 60, I do know one or two people who have had long COVID without any underlying conditions. And, and I watched so a great documentary on long COVID one night. They had numerous mm. experts on from around the world. And just to give you their opinion, what they said was that Long COVID has always existed. Now, not long COVID, because obviously COVID is a new virus. But the idea of having a long illness from a virus has always existed. We've just given it a name. For example, people who had influenza and got pneumonia or maybe got pleurisy would have had scarring on their lungs or could have had scarring on their lungs if they got a particularly bad dose. And people, you've often heard people, you know, who get a really bad dose and the the, the hell is knocked out. They're knackered for two or three weeks afterwards. That's quite common. I've got a a friend who, who... Had COVID, and mm. there's there's genuine concern about things like brain function after it. Yeah. They're, they're not quite sure what the long term consequences are. And maybe we don't know. Maybe we don't know what the long term consequences is, are. And, and this is this is the risk of it. So mm. while I don't agree with everything that's going on now, I can understand that it's the long term effects on the health system that they're looking at. It's that the long term consequences. And but we do have to get to a point where we have to say we need to live with something. No, no, no. Big. We, need, we need to get completely agree. And, you know, we, we as, a, as a country, we as, a, as the world knew, the second this thing was identified, vaccines were being worked on since last year. It seems that the government sat on their hands and didn't put any thought into how a, a vaccination programme would run. Yeah, we, we had no, you would imagine that we knew about the, the vaccines the day it started, as you rightly said. And you would imagine that we would have had some sort of logistical plan put together that when we did, you know, that we would procure them properly, not just rely on the EU, for for example, as, you know, Britain, Germany and Belgium didn't rely just on the EU. The EU we would procure them. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of, of Boris Johnson, but the one thing that the, the UK mm. did properly is put together a system where this could be rolled out. My, my sister lives in the UK. I know, it's amazing. And she got mm. her, she got her message uh, the other day that she's getting her vaccine on the, the 17th of April. How old is she? She's, she is she is younger than me. She's in her late 20s. And, um, Excellent. You know, she's going to get her first round of vaccine on the 17th of April. Like, and she's, in yeah. late, and, and she, uh, she's under 30. And she's under thirty. My 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 parents, substantially older here. They, like it could be it could be July, it could be August by the time they mm. get close to to getting a vaccine, which mm. is which is crazy. Like it's just there. 
you know, as you said, procurement, and they're talking about getting millions of vaccines in. Oh, God. Even, yeah. if, even if they got every vaccine they needed for every person in the country, they don't have the... the but this, this, this is what I was thinking. If, if the they managed to, you know, if somebody said to them tomorrow, if Joe Biden said, listen, lads, I have five million spare vaccines there, just want them. I personally, and I'm no disrespect for the people who work in the HSE in this country, I, I blame the administration and logistics as part of it. I don't think we'd be capable of doing it. But there's only so many, so many arms and so many needles that can be put into them in in a in a 24 hour period. Like it's. But you look at they're doing. But in Israel, they were giving them out in IKEA for God's sake. But that's that's that's. I wonder do we have the people here to administer them. But you had a medical professional in the Coombe Hospital on the uh, the news there tonight. Um, a medical professional in the Coombe Hospital brought them home and gave them to his own family, for God's sake. So, so I mean, it couldn't be that difficult CPL, to do. CPL recruitment were, were hired to get people in. I don't think... They were training people to do the administration. Mm. You know, I don't think... something we can learn. Sorry, Billy? Or Rob? Sorry. No, I don't think we, we actually have the numbers of people to the vaccinators. I think that's the term that's used on them. I don't think we have the vaccinators, enough vaccinators to roll out. I mean, if they were offered more supplies... The, the, as you say, on a logistical front, they just wouldn't be able to handle it. HSE would not but be able how, to handle it. How are they able to do it? And like they set up the Odyssey Arena there with, I don't know, uh, 200 or three, yeah, two or 300 bays in it. And they're mm. queuing up outside it. You can sign up online in the portal. You can be done in two days. How are they doing it up there and we can't? They've, le- should they have less of a population than we have. So how no, are they managing to do and, it up there? They're actually in the, they're in the 40s age group. I was talking to to a person in That's the right. north, in the forties age group there, and pharmacies in the north are even. They're giving it out. Yeah, are giving them out. They have, they have, they have, they have that, that far advanced. I know. So how can and they? We, how I, can I, they I, do we, it, and we can't? Whilst we continue to talk about things like this in the future. Yeah, who do you blame all that on? Stephen Donnelly needs to take some responsibility for the mess well, he's making. Come on, should be there. Is it down to the fact that the, if Belfast has or the, the north has the national health system over there, and maybe there's a, mm. a better, a better organised, um, and not to, to talk down on anyone working in the health profession in Ireland, but mm. is the organisation and administration of the, the NHS. Well, we've always known HSE that, yeah. Here. yeah. yeah. Okay, well, stay there both of you a second. Let me go to Maria. You're on Ireland's Classic Kids. How you doing, Maria? Hello. Hi, now. Hi, Maria. Maria, getting back to the original question, I mean, the suggestion this week that we should add more countries, as many countries as possible, if the zero COVID people have the way that add all countries to the mandatory quarantine list, should we do that? Well, my own opinion is uh, that we definitely shouldn't be using mandatory hotel quarantine. Um, I actually felt so exercised about it that I phoned a couple of politicians yesterday. Um, I always would have been a left voter myself. And I find myself in the really weird position of finding the Social Democrats, Sinn Féin, Labour, people before profit all calling for even harder mandatory quarantine. In fact, they want total mandatory quarantine. Yeah, they they are following the zero COVID line, yes. They're following zero COVID, exactly. And so I find myself in the position, never having voted ever for Fianna Fáil, and very rarely, and only a low preference for Fianna Gael, that Leo Varadkar sounds like he's talking more sense than the people I normally would have voted for. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I feel, when I spoke to the politicians that I spoke to yesterday, I said that I felt that they were really, really letting down the poorer people in this country because the fact of the matter is that if you're well off, you can still travel. And provided you follow all the guidelines of getting your tests and complying with that, I don't see a problem 
with people travelling. Well, However, you're, you're right in what you said. I mean, even oh. if you're a socialist, you'd have to understand the figures that around the world, the poorer people have been affected more by COVID-19 uh, than people who are wealthy. Because yeah, obviously disproportionately. Yeah. Well, absolutely disproportionately affected. Well, and by the way, I just want to respond to a, t- a text very quickly before it goes out of my head and the person stops. Listen, Niall, very irresponsible to say that under 60s with COVID have nothing worse than the flu. I didn't say that, by the way. Maybe you should listen back to what I actually said. Mm-hmm. I said at less risk under the age of 60. I personally know people under the age of 60 who went through sheer hell. I'm sure you did, by the way. I know people under 60 who went through sheer hell too. But the point I'm making is, statistically, and from the data, and Professor John Lee was on the show only two weeks ago, and he said it himself, that under the age of 60, the data clearly states that you are you are le- more likely to succumb to a serious virus from the flu, from influenza, than you are from COVID-19. Over the age of 60, you are more likely to die from COVID-19 than you are the flu. So that's the way the data Even works. Even Lee over, like I said, at the season. Well, absolutely. So, I mean, it's not irresponsible for me to say it. I'm stating a fact. And no. if you believe that stating facts is irresponsible, then we're in a very sad place. I didn't say yeah. it wasn't worse than the flu. I said you were less yeah, likely. Exactly. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, Marie, just finish what you were saying. I, and by the way, Marie, I want to agree with you on one thing. I have noticed this uncanny or this this strange phenomenon that the left and uh, which I would the Paul Murphys of this world and the social democrats the people for profits and all these people who were the ones who would bang the loudest drum to fight for people's rights liberties freedoms the right to protest all these kind of things uh, they almost went to jail for it if you remember rightly Paul Murphy was in, was in court mm-hmm. for for Jobstown uh, and yet they are the ones now who have switched sides completely and telling people not to protest not to go away on holidays we want more restrictions so they've we've actually yeah. and the right uh, the, the right wingers who are the ones who would have been against the protesters calling them um, whatever it was tree huggers in the past are the ones who are telling people to protest we've almost switched sides well we have a, we have a real problem I think with the zero Covid um, narrative certainly when you listen to any of the mainstream media barring yourself as far as I can see um, the zero Covid um, narrative is really being pushed in a very strong way with no alternative scientific viewpoints being put forward You've got Professor Gary Clean, Anthony James, uh, the other fellow. Gabriel Scalley, Thomas Ryan, um, Sam McConkie. Constantly have these people on the the radio and there's a number of women who are also taking part. And they're absolutely pushing fear. And my problem is that there are many, many eminent and excellent scientists on the other side who have opposing uh, views like Sinertha Gupta from I've spoke Oxford. I've spoken to her on the show. I've also spoken to Martin yeah. Kuldruff. I've spoken to, to Professor John Lee from the United Kingdom. I've spoken to Bates Stadler who from um, Switzerland. And I know, these but are your show is not normal. That, we that's have guys that's here my as well. problem. If, Jack you know, mm-hmm. that's Jack. And well, I spoke to Jack Lambert. Of course, he's Irish. Yes, he was on the show yeah. many times as well. Yeah, he, he's not. Yeah, yeah. most of most of the uh, older people in the country. I think it's fair to say from 9 o'clock in the morning are, are tuned into RTE. Yep. And there are no alternative viewpoints being put forward. And as a public broadcaster, I find that absolutely incredible. I wouldn't because, disagree with you. Yeah, it, and this is the problem, though. I think that the uh, there was a, quite a strong campaign by Zero Covid crew, ISAG, I think their official name is. That's right, sure. And And I think they've absolutely captured the left, but it's not science-based. Like the two politicians that I got to speak to yesterday, when I scratched the surface, had very little understanding. I felt they hadn't read the state epidemiological data. So they felt that 4,500 people had died from COVID in Ireland. And I was saying, but if you read the state's own epidemiological data, it shows 
that it's only a proportion of those who have died, and a small proportion who have died from COVID. Most people die with COVID and have underlying conditions and are older. That is not, of course, as usual to say, uh, to denigrate that that's uh, in any way important. Of course, that's tragic and important when someone dies. However, if the average age of death in Ireland is 83 and the majority of people die and have underlying conditions and are 83, then there's nothing we can do about that. We have to accept that death does happen. It always well, happens. Well, is that, is that a problem? Let me, sorry, let me ask Billy. Billy, are you still there, yeah? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Billy, have we got to a point, you know, in society now with COVID-19 and it's almost socially conditioned everybody to fear death that we're not, and Maria makes a really good point, that we're not, ex- you know, we're, we're just not accepting death anymore. That at all costs, I heard people on the radio, well, look, we'll go into another lockdown for four weeks and if it saves one life, isn't it worth it? No, it's not worth it. I'm sorry for the one life that's lost, but we have to be logical that life goes on, people do die sadly when they get to 83 years of age, roughly. I mean, that's just life, isn't it? I, 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 look, I, I don't, I think, just going back to the, the travel point before I go into that, like, anyone who's travelling during a pandemic needs their head tested anyway. That's, that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, unless it's essential travel, it's a pretty selfish and shitty thing to do when you know that there's a chance you can infect other people on the plane or contract it yourself. So that's that's one thing. In terms of fearing death, like anyone, if we're all, we're all, we all came into the world in a similar fashion, we'll all go out in the same way. There's, mm-hmm. You know, it's just a matter of how long it takes. So if you're af- afraid of the inevitable, well, you're, you're not really living life. And the people that I know and associate predominantly, I don't think anyone's a- afraid of, of dying from COVID. Like, I think it's just people are afraid of contracting it because they don't understand what the long-term complications or, or, or that will be of it. But, you know, I don't think anyone is, is afraid of, of dying from it. Like, I think I think that's kind of been, been uh, played down a bit. Uh, but you have to go back to, you know, back in last March when, you know, we were seeing pictures of Italy, of the army being called in, of huge amounts of coffins being brought out of hospitals, of cemeteries being closed down in New York and, and in Italy because they simply didn't have the capacity to handle it. So there was obviously something. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, now, it can was... Can I just bring Billy up on the point he's making about travel? Yeah. I, I just think that there's a terrible, um, a sort of an Irish begrudgery uh, attitude going on in the country at the moment and dreadful travel shaming. Um, I think everything that we should do should be evidence-based. So if you're traveling to a country that has a really low rate of COVID, for example, Finland, um, then there shouldn't be a problem with you traveling to Finland so long as you comply with all of the regulations in both okay, Ireland you, and Finland you, in terms of getting your test. And you can I just finish, Billy? Can I just finish, Billy? Sorry. Can, what I wanted to say was that you know, I have been to see a doctor recently and he told me how he had to cancel his holiday last year and he himself has had COVID, therefore has natural immunity. And I don't see why our doctors, our nurses, all of our frontline workers and, and anybody else who wants to travel shouldn't be allowed to travel, provided it is to a country that has a safe level of COVID that we're happy with. This idea of shaming anybody who talks about travel is really detrimental. I think we've 146,000 people in Ireland dependent on travel. So we should do nothing reckless. Everything should be evidence-based. So, for example, last summer I went to Italy for a week during uh, the summer when the green list 
uh, system was brought in. And a lot of people in Ireland were giving me hassle, but I've got children, and I was very careful. I was checking the incidence rate in Italy, and it was actually lower than in Ireland. And I was saying it doesn't make any sense to criticise somebody for travelling. Well, this was the point I made earlier on, Billy. You know, I mean, at the time Maria went to Italy, it was as safe to go to Italy as it is to go to Cork, for example. So what's the difference? It was safer. So take, take, I I have a, a, I know someone who works in healthcare who last February went on a ski trip to the, the Austrian Alps and managed to contract COVID and came back and infected people. In yeah, but, you, but like, you equally, that they see what you're doing is we're going down a rabbit hole because at that time, now I don't know the instant rate in Italy at that particular time, right? But I mean, they could have gone to Limerick and got it. They could have, they could, you know what I mean? They could have gone to Dublin and most likely got it. So, I mean, it's, you it's can't a, stop a, people from living. It's an, it's an irresponsibility to travel blindly. Now, if you get your PCR test or your antibody test and you can show that you have antibodies or you don't have the virus, by all means, travel. But, but that's the way it is a, right now, Billy, and people are trying to insist on mandatory hotel quarantine. Yeah, but, oh, listen, guys, I have to go to a break because I've gone a bit over time. If you want, you're welcome to wait. I do want to come to Dermot too, but Dermot, I'm going to have to wait till after the break, unfortunately, uh, because I have to go to this break. Just in relation to what I was talking about with John Lee, I think I may actually have that clip here. For people under 70, the infection fatality rate for this disease is 0.05%, which is about half of flu, and it's likely to be even lower than that because, of course, we don't truly know what the denominator is because we haven't been testing in the wider population. Okay, at that time he was actually talking about people under the age of 70. Now that was uh, last October, but because we had extra cases and extra fatalities over January and February, he has now reduced that to the age of 60 just to be on the safe side. But he still stands by what he says under the age of 70 to some degree. But to be on the safe side, he says under the age of 60. Uh, The infection fatality rate is half the rate of influenza. All right, so that's just for that texter who was texted to say that it was irresponsible for me to say that it wasn't irresponsible. He's a professor of pathology. I'm sure he knows a lot more than I do. So, Nod, where can I see that clip of Professor John Lee? If you go to YouTube and just put in primetime, because it was primetime with Mary McAllen he was talking to, and just put in primetime Professor John Lee, you'll find the clip very quickly. Um, sorry, Maria and Billy, just stay there with me for a second if you can. I want to go to Dermot as well. Uh, Dermot, you're on Ireland's Classic Hits. How are you doing? Hi, good evening to you, Niall. Good evening, Dermot. Dermot, I'm sorry for keeping you waiting, but I mean, this idea that we should, you know, basically close the airport, essentially, uh, at this point, is it too late? Is the horse bolted already? Sure. I don't think it has. And to be honest with you, anything that's done in, in that's done half-baked, half-measures is no good. You either don't do it at all or you do it completely. Just half-measure... So what, just do it for the sake of it, even though there are countries that would have higher instant rates than than Ireland and there are countries that have less instant rates than us. So, okay, why, well, so why would you ban those countries? Hold on, hold on. You, said, you said earlier on, this was you earlier on, and you said about Australia, that, that thousands of Australian citizens uh, abroad when they shut their borders had major hassle to get them back. Yes. And the, what did the, 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 look, the virus makes... No, it makes no. Um, there's no significance what your passport is, what citizenship you are. The virus doesn't give a shit about that. And the Australians basically said that they're going to have to. We're going to deal with you the way we deal with all foreign people, people from America or from Europe or whatever. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all have the, the virus is is our problem. And the Austra- that's the way the Australians dealt with it. They dealt with it completely and utterly, strictly, and at the very start. At the very start, yeah, we didn't. No, 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 we didn't. And on top of that, I have a, just one or two things to get off my chest. Listening to what went on in the beacon and listening to this, what, what broke today in the Coombe Hospital is a fucking disgrace in this country. 
There was a couple last year, uh, millionaire couple, and they made their way to somewhere in Canada, if you, if you, if you can remember that. And they, they wangled their way into getting, getting vaccinated. The authorities copped onto them, and they now face serious fine and serious jail time for, for getting vaccinated. And there will be no prosecutions, either of the, the CEO of the Beacon or this guy in the coom, and more to the point, the people that took the injections and knew that they were, were getting them out of sequence are not going to be prosecuted. Nobody, but fucking nobody in this country will lay the law down regarding this. They'll just say, oh... But, I, but what I said to you about the Beacon Hospital last week, and, and not that I'm yeah. suggesting for one minute that nepotism is a good thing or correct in any shape or form. Of course it's not. Uh, and there are other people who are much more deserving who may have vulnerable situations of those particular vaccines. And they could have uh, reached out within the five kilometres to any one of the GP's offices and found people who needed them. Absolutely. But we wouldn't be fighting about that and squabbling about that and squabbling about the guy in the Coombe Hospital who brought them home to his family if indeed we had a supply and if we had a rollout like the United Kingdom. You don't hear these stories in the United Kingdom because nobody cares because everybody's getting us on time. You're right. No, you don't. No, you don't hear about it. You don't hear about it anywhere except Ireland. And there's no law. The law is not stated. It should, there's so many things that should have been brought in. That but but you're you missing the point I'm making is we're, t- we're all turning on each other. And, you know, and be it the Beacon Hospital or be it the GAA players today, the Dublin GAA team, or, you know, whoever it happens to be, everybody is turning on each other because of what the government has done. It's not our fault that we're turning Mark on each other. Shaming. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I saw on Twitter tonight, Ashley pointed out, some guy down by the dock, in, in, or a girl down by the dock in Cork, is it, down by the River Lee, was it? Or the lock in the River Lee, was it? Was it? Anyway, down by the lock, she was saying, look at this. Everybody, get this up on Twitter now. There was people okay. sitting sitting around, enjoying the sunshine. We're a Mickey Mouse country in every in every single department of, of life. We are a Mickey Mouse country when it comes to everything. Nothing is, is said in law. Nobody wants to set anything in law. Nobody wants to do anything. And like, okay, we, we want to go back to the virus, okay? In the last yeah. couple of days, the last couple of days, I, I was talking to a man who had just turned 50. And his um, son brought the virus back to the house. His wife didn't mm-hmm. get it. He, he got it. He, was t- he went downhill rapidly. He was 10 days in ICU. He explained, I'm not going to go into detail how he explained the nightmare he went through in 10 days yep. in that hospital. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, he was three weeks down. Shocking, yeah. Shocking. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, but by the way, you're, you're right. Uh, you know, a virus can knock you for six. It can kill you. Absolutely. No. Niall, Niall, this is not, this is not, uh, this, he, he wanted to die. He said, at one stage, he barely, he said, mm. I'd rather die than go through the pain and, uh, of, of, of this oxygen being absolutely forced into my lungs 24 hours a day, mm. nonstop. And then he had to get off. He had to be taken away to a residential area to, to wean him off. And how old was he? He was, he had just turned 50. Well, all I'll say is, and I, I, how, that man, he's okay now, is he? Seemed so. Okay, now. well, okay, and, and I'm I'm delighted he recovered, right? But yeah. what I can say to you, Dermot, is, and I'm not diminishing what you're talking about and how dangerous it can be, right? I don't for one minute anything like that. But you're telling me an anecdotal story, you know. And before COVID came along, I can tell you anecdotal stories and horrible stories about people under the age of fifty. But in saying that, under the age of fifty, his risk of dying from COVID nineteen is. Low. It's extremely low. No, I mean, it, it, I mean, when you look at the population of the country and take that into consideration, and we take how many people are in hospital today, uh, you know, with COVID nineteen or from COVID nineteen, whichever way you want to classify it, the numbers are low. They're very low. 
Can, I, can yeah, I say something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yes. uh, thanks, it's Maria here. Yeah, just in relation to what you said before the break um, about Professor John Lee, am I correct in saying that he said the chances of you uh, dying from COVID under the age of 60 were half what they were for the flu? Is that correct? That's half what he said, half for influenza. Now, he said that, okay. that was, now just, I want to clarify this for people listening, that was in October. He has since been on this show, which was about three or four weeks ago since we've had all the case, the higher case numbers and Britain had the higher case numbers and deaths as well back after Christmas. And he's clarified that point now and changed it slightly to under the age of 60. So under the age of 60, yeah. the incident mortality ratio would be half of influenza. OK, so can I just say something? That's what he said. Yeah, I, I, I think all of the things that we're talking about are irrelevant if we don't go back to his point. And his point is that once you're under the age of 60, your risk from COVID of is dying. Minuscule. Now, we never shut any country down for flu. Never. Mm-hmm. So why are we putting healthy people who want to work into their house for a year and destroying the economy to protect older people who are quarantining anyway. And but but, but I, I, the only thing I disagree with you on is, well, I don't personally agree with lockdowns. Um, and I think the evidence is around the world suggests now that lockdowns don't seem to make a huge amount of difference. Actually, Ireland is living proof they don't make a difference because we still have case numbers rising again. But the point um, in relation to elderly people, yes, they are more vulnerable. Yes, of course, COVID-19 is much more dangerous to older people. And I think we should have focused all our attention and all the money that we're spending and all the resources that we had and all the healthcare we had on those people and protecting those people. Can I go back in? That's exactly what I was wanting to say. I totally agree with you. And now that we're entering the summer and almost all the scientists are saying, yes, it does seem to be a, a seasonal virus. Well, all viruses are seasonal, yeah. We uh, hope, yeah, we hopefully will get a lull in the summer. Yeah, hang on, then what we need mm. to do is we need Maria? to prepare our hospitals for next winter and allow our healthy people to work and support and care for those who are vulnerable. Yes, yeah, so, well, 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 hang on. I, I don't have a huge amount of time, but sorry, Jeremy, you want to say something? I want to come back to Billy and Rob very quickly then as well. Sorry, Jeremy. Well, the way I see it is, there's no point in arguing over over um, mandatory quarantine arriving into this country from abroad, because if they insist on stopping me and you from going five kilometres or ten kilometres from our home and allowing people to fly five thousand miles on an aircraft to come in here and just um, whatever, maybe you just get out of the at the airport and go on your merry way. Well, you're, now you're making it out, Jeremy, that people are yeah, coming in, say, from New York, you know, and just wandering into the country. They're not. They have to get a PCR test before they come in. There's there's a strict regime about doing it. Yeah, but the point, yeah, I, I totally agree. But the bottom line is, if you do not pass all, the, you do not go and jump through all the hoops that is required medically by law, well, then you go into a hotel for 14 days, and that's all there is to okay, it. Okay, yeah, so you want to say something there, Billy, go ahead. Yeah, no, just on, on what he's saying there, the, the, the travel thing has kind of made a mockery out of everything that the people in this country have gone through over Absolutely. the last year in lockdown. Because, you know, we, we got it down to very, very low numbers last summer. And I understand the seasonal change probably helped that substantially. Mm-hmm. But when we got to September and, you know, the, it, when the lockdowns ended and, you know, numbers started going back up, I'm, I'm sure the travel started bringing things back in. And but how, how, do we, how do we equate lockdowns with something positive when... We ended the lockdown kind of when we had our phased plans. Do you remember reopening Ireland with Leo Varadkar when he, when he left the steps after he handed the reins over to Michal Martin back in June, I think it was, right? Yeah. And from that point on, case numbers went down. 
we had low case numbers with no lockdowns, retail open, everybody got walking around, hanging around the beaches during the summer. Um, and we had no case numbers, or very little case numbers, right up to, I suppose, the end of September. Um, and kids are back in school, all that kind of stuff didn't make a difference. But yet we saw the bad weather coming in in November. And as usual in this country, as we did with influenza in the past, it became seasonal. So the point is that the lockdowns didn't seem to make a difference. Opening the country up didn't really make a difference. What made a difference was the climate. I remember listening to, to uh, mm-hmm. another radio station with uh, Luke, Luke, Luke O'Neill. Luke O'Neill, yeah. And Luke O'Neill was talking about a study that they'd done on this, and they had found that humidity plays a huge. That's right. Um, yeah, absolutely. A huge, a huge part in the transmission of this. So when it gets more humid. It, the air is too heavy for the virus droplets to travel through. And, and, and that would most likely happen in the family home, which was most of the cases, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And, and that which kind of contradicts the idea of keeping you at home. I mean, surely they should be encouraging us to get out. But, there, but, there, but, then, but then it begs the question. I, I, I um, contracted the virus in January, and I lived within the four walls 24 hours a day with my partner, and she didn't get it. But that's, that's because that's because, that's because well okay that's because your partner uh, like many people in this country most likely has natural T cell immunity because okay. they they've studied this say for example the virus gets into a residential care home with say thirty residents of elderly people and twenty two of them get it but eight of them don't well, even though they've been subjected to it and the reason is that they most likely have T cell immunity well 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 look the bottom line is this. The vaccinations, they are shy at the moment, the way it's rolling out, but it seems to be a European thing and there seems to be a lack of of, of, um, of impetus to get the Europe vaccinated and it's already on the news. Now, you, well, the, you, the WHO said today was deeply disappointed with the European oh, rollout. Yeah. You, see, you see France has gone back into a lockdown and there seems to be another surge and across Eastern Europe, oh, there seems yeah. to be another surge of, of virus coming this way, whether it arrives in our doorstep. But the bottom line is, until this nation is vaccinated by hook or by crook, we should, as much as possible, seal the goddamn country off. Well, I, th- I think we all have to use a level of personal responsibility. I, I'm going to go initially with my gut again and say that I don't believe lockdowns serve, serve any purpose. I think Ireland is living proof of that. And if we look at the data that's now been collected in America in different states and different regions where they've had lockdowns versus no lockdowns, take, for example, Florida and California being the classic example. California had the strictest lockdown in America. Florida has had no lockdown since last July, I think. And Florida has much lower instance rate, much lower debt rate per head of uh, population than California. Warm. Warm climate, Ooh. Nile. Outdoor people. Abs- Absolutely. And this is the point I was making to Billy. Encourage people to be outdoors. They've, in the likes of Florida, more people are outdoors on a regular basis. Sorry, you well, want to say something? We, we Rob, Rob wants to say something there. Sorry, Rob. Go ahead. Dermot. Yeah, hi, hi now. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm listening to Dermot there. And, you know, um, community transmission is still the biggest way of transmitting this. So, foreign travel, although, as I said earlier, it's minuscule. It's not going to make much difference in three, the overall 3% sense. maximum, I think, is the, the figure. Yeah, in the overall sense of numbers when we have community transmission already here. So the argument doesn't stand up. Um, but the point, that, like, the, the amazing thing is, we went, we went into a level five lockdown in March of last year, and April of last year, and May of last year. Yeah. And I was there I was there on the streets for those three months, and I never saw a human being driving around in Dublin City for eight hours. I never you had, saw a, you had two KM, though, I never saw a car. And now we are in the same, 12 months later, we're in the same level 5 lockdown, according to the government, and there's a fucking traffic jam five miles long on the M50. Well, hang on I a mean, second, Dermot. is the story here. I mean, are Dermot. we in a lockdown? Or okay, okay. So, well, sorry, go ahead now, sorry. Say, Rob, go ahead. 
yeah, sorry, Dermot, uh, on the first lockdown in March last year, March and April, and in, and in up to the mid-May, as I remember rightly, it was 2km. Uh, more people, this one was when the virus was forced out here in Ireland, and people were more afraid. People have become, you know, we're now in a 5km uh, and I, I don't think, it, and you're right, I, I think the fear factor is not there, which, by the way, That's is not gone. such a bad thing. Yeah. I'm I mean, well, 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 because we were, we were being told last March, according to the WHO, the mortality rate for COVID-19 was 5%. So we all thought that 5% of people who got it would die. That turned out to be uh, not so much a lie, but it was it was misinformation. We now know from the data that's been collected over the last twelve months that it's nowhere near that. It's actually less than half of one percent. So realistically, we're all we're all aware now that maybe it's not quite as dangerous as we initially thought. But to protect the vulnerable and protect. Well, the you know, no, no. Before, just before you, you, you knock it on the head, I was listening to you the other night and I, I couldn't get on. Okay, you, were, you had you had your callers. But this this government this government and this um, Neffet, um crowd, sort of, okay, I'll leave Neffet out because the doctors have a they speak the truth. They are tunnel vision. They just see it medically. They have no interest in the economy and what it's doing. And the their job, is, their job is to deal with it medically. They're doctors, and that's fine. Okay, it's down to the government to sort the rest of it, the stuff out. Now the government are destroying. They're absolutely and utterly destroying this country, and everybody. Everybody comes on and bitches about it and gives out about it. The only answer to, to, to this, if it's not resolved in the next three to four months, whatever, is it has to be the population. It has to be um, the people power. That's the only way to stop it because you're looking at them in the convention center today. I, I was so embarrassed in looking at that on the convention center this morning. And they were fucking roaring at each other. This is Alan Kelly roaring at Stephen Donnelly. You're, you're to see him. And Stephen but, Donnelly, but Stephen Donnelly does what he usually does and doesn't even acknowledge people and stares stare straight in front of him. To a computer. Now, yeah. I, Stephen Donnelly, with all due respect, is heading for a nervous fucking breakdown. I can see it <laughs> because he's not able for it. But it is the most embarrassing thing that these are the people, these are the people that are making our laws, these are the people that are destroying hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives and nobody is doing anything about it. They're all bitching about it. Okay. The only okay. Is people power. Okay. Finally, no, finally, Marie. Yeah. Go ahead. Finally, I have to wrap Thanks. it up. Go yeah, ahead. I understand. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I suppose I just want to say that I personally am on fifty percent pace since March of last year. I have. Uh, I ha- run a family with six in it, um, and on fifty percent pay, that's pretty difficult. I'm the only earner. I have a child who's in Finland. He's um, twenty-one. And he'll be coming home shortly with his girlfriend. I will have to pay €2,500 under the mandatory quarantine rules to bring him home. Whereas I can take him home to my house and I will supervise in my house the proper quarantine. I've already taken four students in because I'm on 50% pay and I have supervised each one of their quarantines. We had separate tables for them. We had the whole thing going on. They have got to stop being so paternalistic, trust the people, allow us to behave like adults. We will, the vast majority of us, and make it mandatory that you quarantine at home if you want and use PCRs to monitor people's progress. But forcing people to pay exorbitant amounts of money is just going to kill everything in this country. Finally, the last nail in the coffin. And I really think we need to think about where we're going with this. Okay, listen, thank you very much indeed, Maria, Billy, Rob and Dermot and everybody got involved in that conversation.
Uh, travel shaming, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yet another D4 annoying F buzz phrase. Uh, past the high nose, guys, says Kevin Limerick. Uh, no one should listen to assholes like you know who, you know who. See, because you call them assholes, now I can't mention their names. But he's talking about obviously lefty politicians. Or the snowflake left because if they had their way, our country would be bankrupt, says Joe. See, Joe, because I read the word assholes out first, I can't really mention their names, but we all know who we're talking about there, okay? Um, certain political parties and independents. Um, mm, let me see. Uh, Niall, I don't believe Professor John Lee. <laughs> okay. Are, are, you, are you a doctor or a scientist? If you're not, unfortunately, well, you know, unfortunately, I have to give him the kudos and the credibility for what he says. Unless you, unless you believe, unless you're an epidemiologist and you disagree with him and you'd like to come on the show and give us your opinion, I would love to hear it. Uh, I think he, if you listen very carefully, he was quoting facts, you know. I'll play a little bit of it again, actually. This is from Primetime. Hang on. Kill millions of people a year. Yeah, tuberculosis, malaria, AIDS, influenza itself all cause more than a million deaths a year. This year we'll have some COVID deaths, which will be more than a million worldwide. But the fact is there are 70 million deaths every year. And next year we will have many okay. fewer COVID deaths. Dan O'Brien, lockdowns uh, will be stopped. Okay, well, that's... Because, I mean, as people say... That was uh, a little bit more of that interview. I, I actually urge you to go on and watch it. And that, but reminding you again, that interview was actually from last October. Uh, that was on primetime. But we did have him on the show. If you want to go on to our uh, the classichits.ie website and go to the Niall Boylan Show podcasts, uh, you will find the interview I did with him about three weeks ago with Professor John Lee, which is a more updated version. Where There he talks about over a million people, where there's actually one point something million people at this stage. Um, and you'll get a more updated version with more updated figures. All right. But he still stands by what he says. Uh, what he says is under the age of 60, uh, the, um, uh, what is it, the infection mortality ratio uh, for uh, COVID-19 is half of what it is for influenza. And he stands by those figures. And if you want to disagree with him, you're welcome to write to him. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.